Hi, I'm Lisa Moore, one of the pastors here at GT Church in Victoria, BC. Welcome to our podcast. All of the content you'll find here is meant to point you to Jesus and to encourage you in your journey wherever you're at. Enjoy the message. Good morning, church. Good to worship with you. Did you enjoy worship this morning? I just felt that it was very sweet today. Uh, Pastor Luke and the team, thank you so much for leading us. I needed that time of worship. Uh, It's good to be together. I've been gone for a few weeks. I've been here, but I've been gone not preaching here. And uh, that's been a joy. I get to see the church in a different way during those times and see our kids' ministry and other things that are going on. And uh, it's, a, it's a real privilege to be a part of such a strong team. And Pastor Lucas has preached a couple of great messages the last couple of weeks. Hey, has that been good? Yeah, yeah. And um, as we continue on in our series, can I tell you a joke? Yeah? It kind of has a situation involved. So I, on Thursday, I, I, I came up to Lisa's desk, and uh, Lisa was sitting here at her desk, and Pastor Ron uh, was sitting across from her, and they were having a chat, and I came up just to stick my nose in, right, because, you know, that's what I do at times, and, and I, I was about to interject, and Lisa looked up at me, and she said, what's wrong with your chin, and I said, oh, I cut myself shaving, and at that moment, Ron said, can I tell you a joke, and he told me a funny joke, so I'm going to tell it to you, okay, you ready for this? Uh, since I have this cut on my chin, uh, the story goes like this. That a preacher finished his sermon, went to the back of the room to greet everybody as they were leaving. And one of the uh, older ladies in the church uh, got there to greet the pastor and said, oh, what happened to your chin? And he said, well, I was thinking about my sermon and I cut my chin. And she said, well, next time you should think about your chin and cut your sermon. <laughs> That's a good one, isn't it? <laughs> so you tell me at the end if... Actually, I'm going to hide. <laughs> yeah, you tell me at the end if that's the conversation we should be having. But today we're going to be in Joshua chapter 3. Uh, we've been through Joshua 1 and 2. And let me just kind of reframe the story for you. All the way back in Genesis chapter 12, God said to a man named Abram, I'm going to build a nation out of you. I'm going to bless you. And then by the time you get to Genesis 15, you see God kind of laying out the plan, including the fact that that nation, those people that would come from this barren man and barren woman, uh, would actually go into slavery 400 years and in the fourth generation come out and possess what was what we call the promised land. It was the land that Abram was in at the time of this declaration from God to him. And then, of course, if you follow the nation of Israel's history, they do go into slavery, and for 400 years, they're there under Egypt, and then they come out in power. God delivers them with signs and wonders, and then they cross um, a small portion of desert across the Red Sea, and then wander for 40 years in the Sinai Peninsula in the desert, Um, And then we get to where we are in Joshua. Joshua starts with saying, Moses is dead. It's a new day. And uh, in the first message that Pastor Lucas preached, he was talking about fear and about how you can understand that God is always with you in the midst of the fear. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. I'll be with you wherever you go. That's what God said to Joshua. And then last week, we talked about Rahab and the spies who came to Jericho and how she hid them and she chose to have the fear of God, which is 
awe, respect, honor of God versus the fear of man, the fear of the people around. And uh, we were encouraged to do the same. And so then if you continue the storyline, the spies return and tell Joshua uh, what Rahab said. And Joshua, the Bible says at the end of chapter two, is greatly encouraged because he feels like this has got to be our time. Because the people around us are, in, are, are afraid of us, and we're simply walking in the fear of God. And so it's our moment. It's time. It's time. And so we get to Joshua chapter 3. I'll read verse 1 to you. It says, early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim, which actually means acacia grove, because that's what this word means in Hebrew, and went to the Jordan. So they left their camp, went to the Jordan, where they camped before crossing over. And it says it very matter-of-factly before they were crossing over. But I want, I want to make a point here. So if you, if you can reach around under your seat behind you, get one of these Bibles, or if you have your own Bible, that's fine. Um, if you have this Bible, turn to page 11. If not, turn to Genesis 15 in your own Bible if you want. Uh, electronic is not going to help you with this point that I want to make. Uh, go, to, go to Genesis 15. It's page 11 in the Bible. And, and keep your finger there. And then flip over, uh, I think it's page 171 in your Bible, if you have the Pew Bible. Uh, that is Joshua chapter 3. 171, yeah. And so now, without, without disrespect to the word, you have your finger in Genesis 5 or 15, and, and you've got your, your other finger in Joshua 3, I want you to just put those pages together and just hold it up like this. Just hold it up. And the reason why I want you to do that is because I want you to recognize all the history that's between your fingers. I want you to understand something here. God made a promise in Genesis 15. We're about to see it fulfilled in Joshua 3. That's a lot of history. It's a lot of dark moments a lot of difficulties, a lot of unanswered prayers, a lot of mourning, a lot of weeping. A lot of time has passed between the time when God made the promise and it actually happens. I want you just to sense that because that's really, really important for you to know. Sometimes we get impatient. Can I just encourage you? Trust the Lord. Trust the Lord. It, it might be longer than you think. It might be different than you think. But there will come a time where we finally say, wow, this is the moment. So the reason why, I, you can put your Bibles down now, but the reason why I wanted you to see that was because I don't want us to make light of the moment. This is a moment of fulfillment for the people of Israel. That literally, longer than we've been a nation, right? Longer than, than any Europeans have been on this continent, Longer than that, they were waiting. That's a long time to wait. I want you just to get the sense of that. So today, what we're going to be talking about in terms of fear, we talked before about, um, you know, having God go with you in your fear. We talked before about the fear of the Lord versus the fear of man. Today, the topic is facing the fear of the unknown, facing the fear of the future, um, and maybe when I said unknown, immediately all the moms and dads in here thought of frozen into the unknown. Did anybody go there? Well, you did now. And so, but as we look at this idea, I want to tell you, there's actually a clinical name for the fear of the future. Did you know that? 
It's called anticipatory anxiety. That's the official name for it. Has anybody ever had anticipatory anxiety in the house? Yes. Um, the, the, the more, you know, sort of like street level name is what if syndrome. Anybody ever had what if syndrome? Absolutely. There's so many things that are coming ahead of us that we have no control over. We don't know what's going to happen. We're unsure about the future. And friends, that's just the way it is. My kids have what if syndrome all the time. What if this happens? What if that doesn't happen? What if they say that or if they do that? What if I don't do that or they don't do that, right? And, and on and on it can go. What if syndrome, the what if, the unknowns of the future, anticipatory anxiety. That's what I want to talk about today. Let me just pause for a moment and say, I want to congratulate you, Coastline Church, because you didn't function with anticipatory anxiety. You chose to function in faith. And I just want to give you an update on, um, on Heart for the House. Uh, faithfully, God's people have given to see the house made strong. And to this point, we're not quite done with the year. Obviously, it's till the end of the year. But at this point, um, you have contributed two, over $270,000 to Heart for the House. So give yourselves a hand for that. I, I just see that as a picture of choosing to trust God. Because there's a lot of unknowns about the future, even the financial future, and a just-in-case and a what-if kind of heart would have had you keep it all. But you said, no, I'm going to trust Jesus and believe that the church is going to be made strong through what we give. And so I know there's still some of you that want to give, you want to get in on that, and I want to encourage you to do that. Wouldn't it be amazing if we all just did something? I, I believe God put in my heart that, um, to believe for 300000 and we're getting really close to that. We're over 270. And uh, why don't you help us? Let's do it together. By the end of this year, let's celebrate that the Lord's brought in more than he ever has through God's people for the heart for the house. So I just want to encourage you with that. But you know, every stage of life um, gives you a new fear of the unknown. You know, young adults, you're thinking about relationship. Maybe you're thinking about marriage, about finding a partner. Uh, you know, you move on into different stages and now maybe you're parenting and every stage your child has, you have a new concern about the unknowns, the choices they'll make, the people they'll meet, the problems they'll have, way they'll be treated in school, how they'll interact with friends, who they're going to marry and what the impact that will be on our family. Every stage, maybe it's career anxiety about the goals that you have that you haven't um, accomplished yet. Maybe it's, um, you know, sort of instability or loss of job and you can feel that. Maybe it's unsure about retirement. Do I have enough money? Am I going to make it? Maybe you're retired now and you're thinking, is there enough in the bank? Um, uh, you know, um, investments aren't doing so well. Are we going to be okay? Maybe you're dealing with aging parents and you're concerned about them and worried for their future. Maybe it's your own health and you, you're saying, I don't know what's wrong with me. Or maybe you know what's wrong and you're like now saying, what is going to happen? What's the future hold for me? And every stage of life brings the uh, fear of the unknown. And so I want to look together into God's word. I want to look at Joshua 3 and let's allow God to give us three ways to tackle the fear of the unknown. It's something we all will deal with. Every season, there's a new fear. I'm gonna give you the first one right off the top, and that is follow God's lead. And so the children of Israel are uh, camped at the Jordan River, and, and we got them there. They're about to cross over, and here's what God's word says, Joshua chapter three, verse two and three. After three days... 
The officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and, come on everybody, follow it. Follow it. The first thing that we do when we're trying to tackle the fear of the unknown is we follow God's lead. Now, let me talk to you for a moment about the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant was a box that was four feet by two feet by two feet, basically. A little bit bigger than that, but basically. And it's a, it was a box that had a lid on it, and the lid was solid gold, and it was beautiful, and it had two angels, cherubim, that faced one another on top of it, and their wings came across like this, or this, whatever. And they, they, the wings came together. That was known as the mercy seat. Actually, Pastor Lucas mentioned that at one time in one of his messages. And then you've got the box itself, and the box is empty inside. It's acacia wood that's overlaid with gold. On the sides, there were rings. And through those rings, the priests would put poles, and that's how they would carry it. They were never to touch it. It was holy. And if you touched it, you would die. Inside of it were very important historical documents, uh, items, if you will, for the nation. One was the Ten Commandments on the tablets. The other was Aaron's rod that budded. Must have been a short rod. Maybe he was a short guy because it fit in the box. And the rod itself was so unique because God caused it to flower. Um, and it was just a dead stick. And it was a miracle. And so they put that in there. And then also there was a, a sample of the manna, the bread that... God provided for them in the wilderness to feed them. And so that was what was in the box. But the Ark of the Covenant was not just a box. It was a picture. It was a representation. It was a representation of the presence of God with his people. And so it was holy. It was sacred. And so to follow the Ark was to follow God's lead, to follow God's presence, to lean toward God's holiness. And so for us today, how do we relate to that moment? If I'm saying the first thing we do to tackle the fear of the unknown is follow God's lead, what am I actually saying? I'm saying, listen, friends, following God's lead means keeping our eyes on Jesus. Keeping our eyes on Jesus. And, and here's why. Because being fixed on Jesus eliminates so many needless fears that we experience in life. If we just keep Jesus in view, I love what Hebrews 12 says. It says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Get your eyes off Jesus, weariness, loss of confidence, fear. So eyes on Jesus. And you know what? It's so easy to become disheartened by the unknown future that, you know, we're all facing. But here's something I want you to, to, to remember. Fear melts into confidence when we follow God's lead. I'm following him. I don't know exactly where we're going, but I trust him. I'm going to follow God's lead. It's, is it possible, friends, that that some of our elevated fears are because we have often got out in front of God. You know, there's a question that I ask myself often. I've even preached about it before, and it's simply this. Who's following who? Because I want you to know with, with a, you know, a seemingly pure heart and, and, and the right motivation, I can get out in front of God, and I can say, God, will you bless what I'm doing? 
God, will, will, will you just, you know, expand and give me confidence as I launch out into this? God, will you stay right here behind me as I do what it is I'm doing? But God is actually saying, hi, I'm here, and I am out in front, so follow me. Follow me. And when we get to that place where even with good intentions, we're saying, God, just stay right here behind me as I move forward, we're actually giving ourselves, um, we're standing on an unsafe place because fear and, and a lack of confidence and, and a sense of confusion can come as a result of just being out of order in who's following who. God says, follow my lead. Let's keep reading. Verse four. Then you will know which way to go. That's why you follow my lead. So you will know which way to go. And, and here's the key. Since you have never been this way before. I want to talk to you about that for a moment. But before, let's finish the verse. But keep a distance about 2,000 cubits, which is 900 meters, almost a kilometer, if you will, between you and the ark, do not go near it. I'll talk to you about why that was important later. Let's go back now to the middle of the verse. Since you have never been this way before. You know, there's only two people in all of the nation at this time who had ever seen the promised land and who had ever seen the Red Sea part. And that was Joshua, who's leading them, and Caleb. They were the only two. And, and, and when they were spies, when they were young men, they went as spies into the promised land and came back and said, let's take it. But the other spies came back and said, nah. And because of that resistance to God's capacity to look after them, they went into the desert for 40 years. And so only these two are remaining now. Those with the good report, they're remaining to go into the promised land. And so this word is true. You've never been here before. So all of the nation of Israel, they didn't see the Red Sea part. They, they have never seen the promised land. But if these Israelites, if they will simply keep their eyes on God, if they will allow themselves to follow God's lead, they're going to see the same miracles that the Israelites who perished in the wilderness saw. Absolutely amazing. So the second thing now, the second way to tackle the fear of the unknown is do your job and watch God do his. Do your job and watch God do his. Verse five, Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Now, this verse stands alone. We're going to talk about it for just a moment because why am I stopping here? Because this comes to the end of that day. They've come, they've camped, and this is the thing that Joshua says to them. Hey, here's what I want you to do. Tomorrow is an amazing day. We're at the end of day one, and here's your job. Consecrate yourself. Consecrate yourself. The word is kadash in Hebrew, and it means to sanctify, to purify. Yes, to consecrate, which we don't really have any specifics about what that would have meant for them at that time, but I, I'm sure we could fill in the blank. I'm sure we could even look at it in our own lives. Tonight, he's saying, get rid of anything corrupt in your heart and in your life. That's what he's saying. And I think for us, sometimes the fear we are facing comes as a result of what we have allowed or what we are allowing in our lives. 
I want to take you back to a few weeks ago when Pastor Lisa was preaching and she preached at the baptism service and she talked about sanctification and she asked some questions and I want to, I want to take you back to those questions again. And they're questions like this, what are you dwelling on mentally? What are you watching? What are you reading? What are you rehearsing? What seeds are you planting into your life? Friends, this has a bearing on whether or not you're living in peace or in fear. And listen, only God can do the amazing things. That's not your job. It's not my job. We can do the work of consecration. That's all we can do. Now listen, anything good that's ever come from my life, the glory goes to God. And I just happened to be there while he did it. I want you to sense that. Man, it's God who's going to do the amazing things. So here's the question. Do you want to defeat fear? Do you want to walk in God's promises? Then listen, get rid of the fear-inducing, confidence-sapping, soul-polluting garbage in your life. And I say that with love as your pastor. Because G. Campbell Morgan said, the church pure is the church powerful. Think about that, friends. The church pure is the church powerful. So let's walk in purity and let's watch God do the powerful. We just have to consecrate ourselves and watch him do the amazing things. Listen, I want you to take a, a close look here. There's some things that Joshua didn't say. He didn't say sharpen your swords. He didn't say get ready for battle. He didn't say any of those things. Why? Well, I think there would have been people who would have said, yeah, let's do it. Let's go do amazing things for God. But, but Joshua's saying, no, no, don't get this wrong. Don't get this backwards. Don't get this twisted up. It's not about you doing amazing things for God. You do the work of consecration and God will do the amazing things. And I want to tell you, that's the path to peace when you're facing fear. I want you to hear me on this. This is what helps you tackle the fears of the unknown because you simply say, God, I'm going to do my job and I'm going to believe that you're going to do yours and it will be amazing. Amen? Amen. Well, let's keep reading because we've got some ground to cover here. And that clock says I have three minutes, but it is a liar. That clock is lying right there. Joshua said to the priests, take up the Ark of the Covenant. And so they would have, you know, put the poles in and put it on their shoulders. And so they took it up and went ahead of them. And now here's a little bit of a sidebar, but it fits in. It says, and the Lord said to Joshua, today... I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel so that they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. And so can you imagine being the guy who had to follow Moses? Yeah, that's a tough job, right? Those are big shoes to fill. But God says, listen, everything I did for Moses, I'm about to do for you. And the people are going to have such confidence in you and such confidence in your leadership because they're going to know that I am with you. And that's very true. If you read through to chapter 4, you will discover that that's exactly what happened. So then, then God continues to talk to Joshua and says, Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the water's edge, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. Well, that sounds nice. It's probably a warm day. Put your feet in the water. A little beach time. Sounds lovely. But 
I, I love the writer here because he does a really good job of telling the story. And he kind of he kind of unveils different things as you're going along, kind of keeps the drama alive. And so I'm going to, it's a spoiler alert, I'm going to take you to verse 15 and tell you why that wasn't just like, oh yeah, just go have a little dip in the, in the pool, right? Here's why. Verse 15 says, now the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest. Oh, all of a sudden it doesn't seem so good, does it? I think there, the priests would have been arguing over who's going to take the front of the ark and who's going to take the back of the ark, right? I'll be in the back. You guys go ahead. If you get swept away, I'll be fine. But I love the obedience here. The obedience of the Levites. Because they understood something. They understood something that's key for you in your journey. That faith is risky, but obedience is the safest place that you can be. Think about a storm. Think about a raging water. Where do you want to be but in, in the embrace of the Father? Where do you want to be but in the hands of the Creator, the one who made this river in the first place? Man, if you believe Genesis 1-1 that God created the heavens and the earth, this river is no problem. And so I want to be right there. Obedience is the safest place. Yes, faith is a risk. And, and listen, they were called to a risky thing. They had to put their feet in that water, and that was risky. But listen, if you're, if you're hearing me today, do your job. Let God do his. And that leads us to the third way to tackle the fear of the unknown, and that's to walk in faith. Walk in faith. This is what God calls us to. Let's read on a little bit here. Verses 14, 15, 16. It says, so when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest. Yet, everybody say yet. Yes. Yet. It's at flood stage. Yet, as soon as the priests who carried the Ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, I like the way the, uh, the King James Version says, it says, and when they dipped their feet in the water... I can see them kind of like, oh boy, I don't know about this, you know? When, they, when their feet touched the water's edge, listen, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarethan, while the water flowing down to the Sea of the Araba, which is the Dead Sea, was completely cut off so that the people crossed over opposite Jericho. Woo! Yeah, it's amazing. It's really quite amazing. And listen, I, I said that the third way that we're going to tackle the fear of the unknown is to walk in faith. There's a cost. There's a cost to tackling your fear. You're going to have to put your feet in the water. I want you to hear that. You're going to have to dip your feet in. You're going to have to walk in faith. You can't go where God's taking you if you're unwilling to risk. Faith is risky, but obedience is the safest place. And so God could have dried up the water before they got there, couldn't he have? It's kind of like how you go into the, the parking lot of the mall and you're like, oh, hallelujah, favor, open parking spot. They could have got to the Jordan. It was like, whoa, thanks, God. But no. God said, I want you to exercise your faith. 
I want you to understand that walking with me is walking in faith. You're going to have to put your feet in the water. And so listen to me, church. Listen to me. Hear what God is saying to you. You'll have to dip your feet into the challenge you are fearing, and you will be amazed at how God's mercy and grace meets you there. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. You are so faithful. So even in the mystery, and this is a mystery. Why? It's the unknown future. It's a mystery. Even in the mystery. And listen, we're talking about crossing the Jordan. All of us will eventually cross that final Jordan into the promised land in the arms of our Savior. But, but listen, it's always a journey with him. And so your future is unknown, but you can trust him. I mean, I, I pondered a couple of questions and as I'm coming to the close of the message. Why did God pile the river up 16 miles away? That's how far it was. Why did he do that? And I think it's because God is glorified in the details. So let me give you a little bit of detail. I want you to recall how many people went in to Egypt when there was a famine and the children of Israel went into Egypt. It was 70. When they came out of Egypt 400 years later, it was approximately 3.5 million. That's some pretty good growth. But the point is, how long does it take to get 3.5 million people across the river? Well, it, say, you know, the, the priests walked in with the ark and the water piled up right there. You got your wall of water here and you can see the fish swimming, you know. It's kind of a cool idea. And like right over there, it's starting to dry up, but there's another wall of water, you know, and that's the water flowing. It's kind of going over. It's kind of a neat picture, but it's the wrong picture. Because if that was the case, you know, they could go two by two, but 3.5 million people, the line would be 800 miles long and it would take them a month to get across. But if you pile it up 16 miles away and then the ark is there and you're at a distance of almost a kilometer, you realize there could be a three-mile wide swath. They could cross 5,000 at a time and they would get across in one single day. See, God is glorified in the details. There's another detail I want to share as we close it up today. Last verse I'm going to read to you. It's the last verse of the chapter. It says, The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground. While all Israel passed by, the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. So part of the miracle was not just that the water left, but that the ground was dry. They didn't walk through a swamp. They didn't walk through a marsh. There wasn't puddles with flapping fish all around them, right? It wasn't dripping and it was dry because God's glorified in the details. And so I want you to see that picture for yourself. God has a way of walking you through. Walk in faith. Walk in faith. Walk with your God. Keep your eyes on your Jesus. Consecrate yourself before him and watch him do amazing, amazing things. I want to pray with you today.
and I have several things in my heart for you. So would you bow with me in prayer? Just close yourself in with the Lord and let the Holy Spirit speak to you as we wrap up our time together today. You know, we started by talking about following God's lead. And I, I just know that in a room this size, there's people who feel distance between themselves and God. There's people here today who would feel like, I am not following God's lead. Maybe you're not a Christ follower. Listen, can I encourage you? Fix your eyes on Jesus. Place your future in his hands. It's the safest place you can be. If you're here today and you say, I'm not a follower of Jesus, the invitation is always open for you to follow him. Give Jesus your life. Commit your heart to him. Say, God, I, I just place my life in your hands. Lead me. So Lord, I pray for those that even right now are saying, Lord, I want to follow your lead. Take my life, Lord. Forgive me of my past. Give me a bright and beautiful future. I place my future, uncertain as it is, in your hands. Lead me in Jesus' name. And just continuing to pray, I, I believe there are people here, and consecration is the word you can't get away from because it's the word of God to you. And you need to take the garbage out spiritually. You need a new pattern. You need a new thinking. You need a new living. You need to plant some good seeds in your life. If that's you today, pray with me. Lord, take my life. God, I pray that you would cleanse me in Jesus' name. By the precious, precious grace and mercy of Jesus, cleanse me. I consecrate myself before you. Lord, help me to start a new pattern of thinking and living. Lord, plant good seeds in the soil of my heart. Draw me close to you. Lord, I'm gonna be careful about what I watch and what I read and what I think about and where I meditate and where I go and what I do, Lord. I choose consecration. And then just continuing to pray. I know there are those of you that need courage to face the future. You are struggling with worries and fears about what's gonna happen, what's to come. Maybe it's a health concern. Maybe it's about your kids and how everything's gonna happen for them. Maybe you got a career challenge or maybe you're worried about your aging parents or your finances or many, many other things. Friends, listen, today is a day to say, God, give me courage that I can walk in faith. Walk in faith. And so I just pray in Jesus' name for those that would say, Lord, I need courage. Help me. Help me. I don't know what's going to happen, but I want to trust you. I want to walk in faith. I pray for the gift of faith through the Holy Spirit today. Just a gift of faith. Lord, we don't know what the future holds, but we're safest in your care. And so we stay there and we ask, Lord, that you'd give us faith. Faith to believe that you're going to help us cross over. Faith to believe that you have a plan. We're going to watch. We're going to keep our eyes on you, Lord. And we're going to receive courage in the mighty, mighty name of Jesus. Lord, do what only you can do. Do amazing things, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 <laughs>